Hello everyone and welcome to the January 21st edition of the WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Foles, an attorney with Floyd Scarron Law Firm. Thanks for joining us today. So let's get started with our crime report. A federal judge just ruled that Michael D. Drobot, the incarcerated former owner of the Pacific Hospital of Long Beach, must forfeit the benefits of his plea agreement. Prosecutors allege that Drobot orchestrated a scheme where he paid $50 million in kickbacks to dozens of physicians in order to steer surgeries to his hospital, the Pacific Hospital of Long Beach. The kickback scheme was effective and resulted in over $500 million in kickback-induced surgeries being performed at his hospital. Robot entered into a pre-indictment cooperation plea agreement with the government in 2014 and agreed to plead guilty to some of the charges. In return, the government would forego any additional charges against Robot that could have been filed. The uh, plea agreement required him to cooperate with authorities as well as to obey all court orders. His cooperation led to the prosecution and conviction of many of his cohorts, including well-known physicians in the California workers' compensation industry. The court sentenced him to 63 months in prison and ordered him to forfeit $10 million to the United States. And to partially satisfy the forfeiture, he was ordered to sell his 1965 Aston Martin, his 1958 Porsche, and his 1971 Mercedes-Benz, and pay the proceeds to the government. Drobot placed the cars for sale at the Pebble Beach car auction, and the government provided written wiring instructions for the proceeds to be transferred directly from the auction house to the government. But instead, Drobot diverted the car sales proceeds by taking a $1 million advance on the sale of the cars and diverted the remaining $675,000 proceeds to his personal use. As a result, prosecutors filed a motion asking the court to find Drobot in breach of his plea agreement and to set it aside. This month, a federal judge found that Drobot intentionally violated the court's order and that prosecutors may now take appropriate further action against him. American Labor Alliance and Comp One USA are subsidiaries of Agricultural Contracting Services Association, which is a Nevada not-for-profit corporation headquartered in Clovis, California. The LALA attracted customers by marketing low-cost workers' compensation rates, causing its membership to surge. It had more than 400 employers with 30,000 members. Two-thirds of those employees are seasonal agricultural workers employed by roughly 50 farm labor contractors. The California Insurance Commissioner issued a decision and order imposing over a $4 million penalty on American Labor Alliance and Comp 1 USA for selling workers' compensation and liability policies without being properly licensed. At the same time, FBI agents served warrants for records at the headquarters office of American Labor Alliance in July 2017. Prosecutors have now filed a grand jury indictment against American Labor Alliance, 
Marcus Assay, the co-founder, chairman, and controlling individual behind the ALA. And also Antonio Gastelum, who served a variety of supervisory roles, including serving as chief operations officer, overseeing legal compliance matters for ALA, and controlling a number of ALA's financial affairs. The defendants allegedly issued certificates of insurance that purported to provide workers' compensation and employers' liability coverage, listing one or more national insurance companies as insurers. But prosecutors claimed that the national insurance companies did not provide workers' compensation insurance to ALA's clients. In some cases, the national insurance companies had issued liability policies or bonds to ALA itself, but would not have paid workers' compensation benefits to any ALA client whose employee was injured or died. Charles Rubin, formerly of Simi Valley, pleaded guilty to a felony, making a fraudulent statement for the purpose of obtaining workers' compensation benefits. He was at the time the president of CR's Gate Service Incorporated, a corporation that is now suspended. But in 2016, Rubin was placed off work for an injury sustained while employed at his electric gate company in Simi Valley. During that time, he collected nearly $35,000 in workers' compensation disability payments and systematically failed to report his earnings while working as a self-employed contractor. Sentencing for Rubin is scheduled for June 7 in the Ventura County Superior Court, when Rubin faces a maximum of five years in jail. Rubin provided a check to the State Compensation Insurance Fund for the full amount of restitution at the time of his guilty plea. And in regulatory news, the DWC has set a public hearing for proposed evidence-based updates to the medical treatment utilization schedule. It is scheduled for February 15 at 10 a.m. at the Elihu Harris Building, 1515 Clay Street in Oakland. Members of the public may review and comment on the proposed updates. The proposed updates to the MTUS incorporate by reference the latest published guidelines from the American College of Occupational and Environmental Medicine, that's ACOM, for the following topics. Cervical and Thoracic Spine Disorder Guideline, Elbow Disorders Guideline, Hand, Wrist, and Forearm Guideline, Ankle and Foot Disorders Guideline, and the Workplace Mental Health, Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder, and Acute Stress Disorder Guideline. The DWC is required to have a 30-day public comment period, hold a public hearing, and respond to all the comments received during the public comment period. It will then publish the order adopting the updates online. And the DWC has also posted additional adjustments to the official medical fee schedule for pathology and clinical laboratory, for hospital outpatient departments, ambulatory surgical centers, for physician services, non-physician practitioner services, and also posted an updated MTUS drug list. CMS issued a revised 2019 pathology and clinical laboratory fee schedule file on January 15, 2019, 
So this order is the second one for the pathology and clinical laboratory fee schedule in 2019. The revised DWC file corrects various technical errors and supersedes the original file. The initial update to the physician and non-physician's practitioner fee schedule, effective for services rendered after January 1, was posted to the DWC website on December 10. But CMS subsequently issued a revised update to the 2019 physician fee schedule on December 20 that made corrections to the relative value unit file and the geographic practice cost index file. The second order adopts those corrections. The changes to the MTUS drug list includes the addition of drugs addressed in the Traumatic Brain Injury Guideline and the designation of additional drugs as Special Fill Eligible. Additional information may be found on the MTUS Drug Formulary webpage. The chairman of the Committee on Oversight and Reform launched one of the most wide-ranging investigations in decades into the prescription drug industry's pricing practices. He sent letters to 12 drug companies seeking <clears throat> detailed information and documents about the company's pricing practices. The letters seek information and communications on price increases, investments in research and development, and corporate strategies to preserve market share and pricing power. The letters are the first step in the committee's comprehensive review of pricing practices. It will hold its first of several hearings in the coming weeks to hear from experts as well as patients affected by rising drug prices. The government is projected to spend $99 billion on Medicare Part D drugs in 2019. In 2016, the 20 most expensive drugs to Medicare Part D accounted for roughly $37.7 billion in spending. The Inspector General has found that Part D payments for brand name drugs increased by 62% from 2011 to 2015, even though the number of prescriptions fell by 17%. Approximately 94% of widely used brand-name drugs on the market between 2005 and 2017 more than doubled in price during that time. And the average price increased in 2017 was 8.4%. That was four times the rate of inflation. A recent Associated Press analysis found that more than 4,400 brand-name drugs increased in price in the first seven months of 2018 alone, compared to 46 price decreases. And in medical news, Walgreens and Microsoft have joined forces to develop new healthcare delivery models, technology, and retail innovations to advance and improve the future of healthcare. The companies claim that while there has been innovation in pockets of healthcare, there is both a need and an opportunity to fully integrate the systems. Ultimately, this should make healthcare more convenient to people through data driven insights. The companies have committed to a multi year research and development investment to build healthcare solutions, improve health outcomes, and lower the cost of care. 
This investment will include funding, subject matter experts, technology, and tools. The companies will also explore the potential to establish joint innovation centers in key markets. The companies will focus on connecting Walgreens stores and health information systems to people wherever they are through their digital devices. This will allow people to access healthcare services such as virtual care when and where and how they need it. The companies will proactively engage patients to improve medication adherence, reduce emergency room visits, and decrease hospital readmissions. Early last year, Amazon, Berkshire Hathaway, and J.P. Morgan Chase said they will form a company that could eventually negotiate directly with drug makers and healthcare providers and use their vast databases to get a better handle on costs. According to a survey conducted by Medscape, close to 44% of U.S. physicians are burned out and 15% are depressed and thinking about suicide. And more than one doctor per day commits suicide, a rate higher than in any other profession, and more than twice that of the general population. Quotes from respondents in the Medscape survey report, anger over broken systems, loss of time with patients, being asked to sacrifice dwindling personal time, and demoralization that the only way out is to quit or severely curtail work. The Medscape survey pinpointed too many administrative tasks as a leading cause of physician burnout as well as spending too many hours at work. Other factors included electronic health records, insufficient compensation or reimbursement, and feeling like just a cog in a wheel. The survey found that male physicians are more likely to cope with burnout by exercising, whereas female physicians are more likely to talk with friends and family. More women eat junk food to cope, and similar percentages of men and women drink alcohol. Although the survey did not ask how burnout might affect patient care, 14% of the physicians said they made errors they might not ordinarily make. 16% are more apt to express frustration in front of the patient, and 26% say they are less motivated to be careful taking patient notes. Comments in the survey suggest that some physicians are retiring earlier because of burnout or depression. The fact that physicians are retiring earlier may exacerbate the physician shortage that appears to exist. In years past, physicians who retired often worked part-time or kept a small patient base. However, with high malpractice premiums, rules and regulations, and the stress and aggravation that physicians experience, they are often more likely to just want out. Telemedicine is the use of electronic communication technologies to provide clinical services to patients without an in-person visit with the goal of improving the patient's health status. It may be used for follow-up visits, management of chronic conditions, medication management, consultation with specialists, or other clinical services. According to Kaiser Permanente, a leader in telemedicine services, the number of telemedicine 
customers is expected to increase to roughly 7 million by 2018. Back in 2015, of Kaiser Permanente's 110 million interactions between physicians and members, 56% were virtual, surpassing physical visits for the very first time. The Department of Veterans Affairs, which operates the nation's largest healthcare system and is recognized as a world leader in the development and use of telehealth services, has achieved better results through telemedicine. According to the VA, telemedicine has increased access to high-quality healthcare services and has proven to be an effective and convenient way for patients to receive and medical providers to provide medical care. A 2014 report by Towers Watson estimated that U.S. businesses could save more than $6 billion a year by using telemedicine. When it comes to legislation and rule changes to advance the use of telemedicine, some states are moving more quickly than others. In 2017, Harbor Health Systems, a one-call care management company, announced that it is one of the first companies to receive approval from the California Department of Workers' Compensation to offer telemedicine through its medical provider networks. Harbor's MPN networks cover about 2 million employees in the state of California. And in early 2018, Texas proposed a rule that would expand injured workers' access to telemedicine services by lifting a restriction in the Medicare-based reimbursement policy that limits the use of telemedicine to underserved areas. Also in 2018, legislatures in Florida proposed two telehealth-related bills. However, neither bill advanced. Now in 2019, a bill submitted in New York, SB 1042, proposes creating a task force to study how telehealth and telemedicine might help employees and workers' comp as well as the providers treating them and the businesses employing them. So that is all of our news and our events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and our special reports using your iPhone, your iPad, or your Android device by searching for the WorkComp Academy with your podcast software. And we also publish a daily flash briefing on the Amazon Alexa Echo platform. To use that, search for Workers' Compensation News on the Amazon website. Again, I'm Renee Foltz with Floyd Scarin Manukian Langevin. Thanks for joining us today. Please drop by again next week for more news.